This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Um, good to see you this morning. Quick question for you. Be honest, okay? You gonna be honest with me? Uh, what's your favorite part of the week? Church. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's sweet. Uh, but let's throw church in with Saturday, and we can all admit that the weekend is our favorite part of the week. Um, in fact, it's a song written about it. Remember this from the 80s? Working for the weekend every day. Anyone? Okay. I'm not surprised by that. Like, the fact that we love the weekend so much. Uh, we're a culture that is probably in some desperate need of rest. <laughs> More things than ever can take up our time and put us on a busy schedule. Let's talk about kids, activities alone can keep us really, really busy. You mix that with our massively high value on productivity today, and we love to be busy and love to tell everybody how busy and how much we're getting accomplished. And then whatever happened to Sunday? I remember growing up, and maybe some of you remember this with me, uh, everything used to be closed on Sunday. And then it became that nothing was closed on Sunday, but the mail still wasn't delivered. Now the mail's still delivered on Sunday. I mean, everything seems to be just continuing to happen on Sundays. You used to be very careful about keeping kids' activities off of Sundays. Now that is gone. And, I mean, you can become extremely, extremely busy. We're active and we're busy, and so our bodies and our souls are longing for rest. In her uh, Daily Grace devotional on rest, Alexa Hess really nails it with this. The reality is that often rest in our day and age is not normal. The need for speed in our society propels us to live in perpetual motion with no stopping. Rest used to be a rewarding reality. Now it can make us feel guilty. But if we took a step back and examined ourselves, we would see a tension in us between the need to keep going while also craving rest. Too often we ignore the impulse to rest, but our need for it points to a greater truth that we should acknowledge. God made rest for us. Uh, My need for rest hit me like a freight train uh, just a couple of weeks ago when I was in the hospital, my heart was in AFib. And uh, the doctors were kind of worried that here I am, a, a very young man, can I get a witness, uh, only, <laughs> only 48 years old, and yet here, my heart keeps going to AFib. It was the fourth time my heart went to AFib. Like, what's going on with this guy? And we try to find all, you know, the common things that connect him, and maybe it's caffeine. Well, for the last, really, six, seven years, man, I have laid off the caffeine down to two cups a day. And not cups, all right, not cups, but normal cups of coffee a day. And so caffeine wasn't the connection. Several things really didn't fit. But the one thing that kind of tied all four of them together is each time my heart went to AFib, I was under a a greater amount of stress. This last time, uh, I didn't so much feel it as much, but when I look back, I, I had 12 speaking engagements scheduled over five weeks. 12 times where I was gonna stand up and deliver some lesson to some group of people, which means 12 preparation times, 12 delivery times, all of that. And and, and I look back and I had only planned, I planned for zero days off for four of those weeks, no days off for four weeks to be able to prepare for that. You know, that's, that's not 
cool. That's not something to brag about. That's just stupid. <laughs> Ushers, please, would you escort this young man from the... No, it's not something to brag about. It's something not to be proud of at all. And how funny is God that... Uh, this has been on the schedule for a long time, talking about Sabbath today. So how funny is God to smack me, to put me in the hospital room right before I need to talk about this thing that I desperately need in my life, this idea of Sabbath. And God is good to me that way because this week's study has been, it's been more than just a week, but just lying in this and thinking about this, not just what God's word says about it, and you're gonna see it's incredible, but also how do I live in it? So I wanna help you with that. And I'm gonna say this is the big idea of the day, so write this down. I will celebrate God's Sabbath. I will celebrate God's Sabbath. Celebrate it, okay? Not demean it, not ignore it, not feel guilty when I do it, but I will celebrate God's Sabbath. Now, some of you are like, Pastor, are you going Jewish on us? We're talking about, no, just hang on. Just, you'll see where we're headed. But I wanna give you three steps to get there, three steps to get there. First of all, this is an important step. You need to see the importance of Sabbath. You need to see the importance of Sabbath. And we are here in Genesis chapter two. And uh, uh, I wanna first of all consider the English, so let's just see it, in the English translation that we have in front of us. And you're gonna see, even here in this English translation, man, it is really obvious to see how important this idea of Sabbath rest is to God. So let's go back to Genesis 2. One, and let's look at this together. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he, church, rested on the seventh day from all the work that he has done. We'll keep reading. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Now, well, hold on a second. Twice it says God rested. Think about how incredible that statement is. God rested? The very first lesson we did in the book of Genesis was talk about the eternality of God and the self-existence of God. That God needs nothing. He has all power. He is omnipotent. He is the almighty God. And I'm telling you, he doesn't need to rest. So why did he rest? Why did God rest? Well, I wanna show you this now. We're actually gonna be going there later in the sermon to do a deep dive into the text. But for now, I want you to see Exodus 20, verses eight through 11. And look at this, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, pause for a second. So now, this is all written by Moses. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He wrote the Pentateuch. And so he wrote Genesis. And now here in Exodus, we finally get a command about the Sabbath. So 70 chapters later in the Pentateuch, now we see this command for us to remember the Sabbath, or for God's people, I should say, to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy and watch why. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to your God, the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. 
Here's why. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Okay, so, so, so why did God rest? Well, it's not because he got so tired and he had to. He rested to be an example and a pattern for us. Or to put it another way, God didn't rest because he needs rest. God rested because we need rest. So that's enough. I can read it in English. I can say it clearly from Genesis and into Exodus where the command is given to us. And I can see, okay, God wants his people to be a people who rest. He wants it so much that he put a whole day when he rested. Well, that's true. But man, when you see this in the original language in the Hebrew, it is emphasized way more than what we can see it in the English there is an incredible pattern that is set up in the Hebrew language for us to see. This is a culmination of a pattern that's been going on all throughout the creation narrative. Now, I, I gotta say right up front that the Bible Project guys, you're listening to the podcast, was really helpful in my study this week, and they helped me see some really cool things that are here. And I want you to see this morning, man, this creation narrative is a masterclass of Hebrew literature. And, and you need to know, it goes from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 1-3, or 2-3, so we have a really unfortunate chapter break in our English Bibles that was not in the original. All of this is really one narrative that goes together, and it's incredible when we see it because this idea of seven, 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 seven is gonna be pounded at us leading to the seventh day. Let me give you an example. Do you know the first sentence in the Bible, the first sentence is seven words. The first, the first sentence is seven words. The second sentence is 14 words or two sets of seven. Then you have seven paragraphs. Of course, the seven days of creation, Paragraph, paragraph, seven paragraphs. Then after all of that, as it concludes in two verses one through three, what you end up having are three sentences of seven words each as the grand conclusion to the creation narrative. On the seventh day, God finished the work. On the seventh day, God rested from the work. On the seventh day, God blessed the work. And those are seven Hebrew words, each of those, so each sentence having seven words. So you got seven, 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 seven. Getting the picture? Seven's important, all culminating on this seventh day. But there's more. Some of the key words in the creation narrative are repeated in multiples of seven. God is mentioned 35 times, or five sevens. Seas are mentioned 21 times, or three sevens. Uh, land is mentioned 21 times, or three sevens. And there's actually more examples of this, but I felt like that was enough to say, obviously God's trying to pound in our hearts and minds this idea of seven, seven, seven. In fact, Umberto Casuto, who's an Italian uh, commentator, said this, to suppose that these appearances of the number seven are mere coincidence is simply not Possible. God is trying to say something, trying to emphasize something. This seventh day is important. And what happened on the seventh day? God rested. You doing okay so far? Doing all right? Because we're only just beginning to get deep and study today. Uh, something else important to understand about the Hebrew language and the word seven. 
Uh, Hebrew scholars understand that there is a symmetry to seven. Let's talk about the symmetry of seven a little bit. By the way, uh, all these drawings I have up there, I'll do drawings for you too. I will do that. Just ask me. I'll come and do art for you. Uh, I'm sure Courtney is saying right now, why didn't you ask me to write this for you? Because it would have been much prettier. But anyway, all that to say, uh, there's a, a symmetry to seven. So think about this. You have one, two, three. You have a center. Then you have another set of three. So seven itself kind of points to the middle thing. And this is known when you study Hebrew. And so, for example, the very first sentence I mentioned is seven words. That middle word is at, and that word is a Hebrew word that we don't translate. It helps us point to the direct object of the sentence, but that middle word is a two-letter word. That word has the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the beginning and the end. Reflecting when Jesus will say in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is an eternal thing. You gotta be, you know, some of that stuff, you gotta be careful making too much of it, but that is interesting. It is really interesting when you jump down and look at what is this middle day of creation? What happens on the fourth day? Well, let your, your eyes fall on the Bible here, and I want you to take a look at verse number 14 of chapter 1, one uh, fourteen. <clears throat> And watch the wording here, it's really important. And the Lord said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for church seasons and for days and for years. So God gives us on the fourth day our ability to begin to mark time. Remember, God's outside of time. God doesn't need time, but he gives us this ability to mark time, and he does it so that we would know the signs and the seasons. Now, we see the word seasons today, and all of us think spring, baby. Come on, spring. Let's get spring here really quick. We think summer, winter, and those kinds of seasons. That's not the Hebrew concept. In fact, you'll notice a footnote, if you have the ESV, it says appointed times. See, God is going to put within the nation of Israel appointed times for them, Sabbath being the first one he initiates. And Sabbath is one of seven feasts. And there's more than that. So you have Sabbath every seven days. They also had a sabbatical year Every seven years, the Shemitah would come about, and that is every seven years, they were to let the land rest and, and let slaves go and forgive debts, and all of that happens on every seven years. And then every seven, seven years, every seven Shemitah, so to speak, there was the year of Jubilee, where they really celebrated liberation of slaves and the resting of the land, and the forgiveness of debt. It was a celebration for the Jewish people. And so here you have, in the middle of this day, I'm gonna give you the ability to mark times and to mark these festivals, and from that, there's gonna be a seven, 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 seven pattern. I think this is all pretty important to God. Now, we have said all along that as you read these things, that we're gonna have a literal, historical, grammatical, redemptive hermeneutic. Okay, that historical piece is this book was written by a person to a people. And Moses wrote this book to Israelites. So I want you to put yourself in the sandals of an Israelite reading 
Genesis in the Hebrew and seeing all of this repetition of seven, 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 recognizing that it's, it's there for us and seeing then culminating on this seventh day. Tim Mackey, he's one of the uh, Bible Project guys. He has a PhD in somatic languages and Bible study, so he's pretty smart. He said this, Genesis 1 is not just telling you what kind of world you are living in. It's giving you, as an Israelite reader, evidence that your worship rhythms are woven into the fabric of the universe. God thinks this concept of a seven-day, a time of rest for his people, is seriously important. So much so that he baked the concept over and over again in this masterclass piece of Hebrew literature. All right, breathe in, breathe out. I'm gonna go, okay, you with me still? Good, we're not even close to being done, but I want you to see there is an importance here. There is an importance here. So let me look at you in eyeballs for a second. How important is rest in your world? Or have you fallen into the culture of busyness and productivity and activity and doing all the things so that you've not left time of rest in your schedule? Let's move on, unless we talked about uh, the first step, seeing the importance of Sabbath. And I hope you see, especially in the original language, this is really, really important. Uh, but we're going to do some more study in this. Let's talk about the meaning of Sabbath. So I want you to embrace the meaning of Sabbath. Yes, see the importance of Sabbath. Also embrace the meaning of Sabbath. And we're going to take a look at this. I mean, it is a fun study. It was a blast for me this week to look at all of these concepts, and I can't address them all. But there's so many interesting angles and all of that. It's kind of like it's kind of like a diamond. Um, I took this off Courtney's ring this morning. I just so you know. Not really. Bought it for six bucks on Amazon, so I uh, don't think it's a real diamond. Um, probably not. But, but you th think, think about a, a diamond or a gem and how there are just so many uh, angles and surfaces and edges. Uh, the whole thing is beautiful, but it's beautiful because of all of these little facets that make it so, so lovely. And, and th this is true of Sabbath. And, and I just want to focus on a couple of these this morning to show you the beauty of Sabbath, because I really want you to embrace the beauty that's here. I need to embrace it, I want to help you to embrace it too. So one of those facets, we'll start talking about this, completeness is an element of that, and we can see it again right in our English Bibles. So I want you to take a look at Genesis 1, 1 through 3 again. Yeah, sorry, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, and I want you to see a couple things here. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth were, what's the word you have in your Bible, church? Finished, interesting and the host of them. And on the seventh day, God, here's the word again, finished. His, so he's emphasizing this idea that God completed the work of creation. And he didn't just finish it, man, he said something about it. He said it was good, and it was very good. It's a beautiful concept of it is completed, it is finished, and this becomes a really important part of Hebrew culture. In fact, Jaden, come here for a minute, if you would. I uh, love Jaden. He's a good dude. Um, and uh, if we were to greet each other for the first time during the day, let's just kind of play that out with a look. Hi, Jaden. Hello. How are you? 
Amy, I'm doing great. Good, good. How's your week been? Uh, fant uh, fantastic. Good, good, good. Okay, so that's English, standard American greeting. Let's say we were Hebrew. How would we greet one another? <laughs> the first service said that too, a kiss. That may be true, but we're not Jewish. <laughs> yeah, not today though. Uh, so how we, if we were Jewish, how we would greet one another is shalom, yeah. Shalom or shalom l'chaim. And the idea behind that is peace to you and peace to your family. I wish peace on you. Thank you, Jade, appreciate that. So think about, that was, wasn't Jewish, but anyway. <laughs> Think about for a minute the meaning of shalom. I just did a Wikipedia search for it, and I went, look at this definition of shalom. Uh, shalom is a Hebrew word meaning peace, yes, harmony, wholeness, completeness. It's like every time the Jewish people see each other, they remind them it's complete, it's whole. The way I've put it to help myself understand it better is everything is as it should Read this with me, if you would, please. Everything is as it should be. Isn't that a great thought? It is, and this is God coming to creation. He says, I'm finished, it's done. It is all as it should be. Nothing's left to be done. And so I am gonna shavat, I am gonna cease from labor, and I'm gonna rest. And that's the idea. Everything is as it should be. Now, a quick question to understand another kind of facet of this. Is that true right now? Is everything as it should be? Is it? But is it? But is it? See, okay, because you got, you got this tension, right? You got this tension. Yeah, there is, because who's on the throne today, church? God is on the throne. And has a sovereign God orchestrated everything as it should be? Absolutely, but is it perfect yet? So there's coming a time when it truly will be, everything is exactly as it should be, and yet with the sovereign God, it is. We live in the tension between the already and the not yet. Christ, we're gonna see in a minute, Christ has accomplished it all for us. There's coming a day when everything, all of creation will culminate and all of creation will rest for eternity. And we're not there yet. But yet our sovereign God, who's gonna bring that all about, is in control. Romans 8, 28 says, for all those who love God, he's worked, he's worked together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. God's working everything out. So in one sense, we can say everything is as it should be. Completeness is a beautiful facet, challenging facet, but a beautiful facet uh, of that. Here's another one I wanna point out to you. And this is the idea of settling, settling. And what do we mean by settling? Good question. I want you to turn to that text in, in uh, Exodus. We're gonna go to Exodus 20. Uh, there are two places in which the Ten Commandments are given. Exodus 20 is the first. We're gonna look at the next one next, but let's first consider this one in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus 20, you have the giving of Sabbath again. And I want you to see this starting in verse number eight. And I want you to notice this changes a little bit. So you have uh, the original Genesis, but now pointing back to it, you guys see something here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath, by the way, is the Hebrew word Shavat. It just simply means to cease or to stop. 
Okay, so, so when you come to a stop sign, your car should shavat. Unless you're doing a California roll, then it kind of shavats and it kind of does and you keep going through the stop sign. Don't do that, shavat, stop, cease. Okay, so there's, that's there, but now watch this. Six days you shall labor and do your work. On the seventh day is a shavat, a ceasing to the Lord for your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servants or your livestock. Or the, you get the idea, everybody stops, everybody stops. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, now watch this, and rested on the seventh day. This is a new Hebrew word entered into this whole idea of ceasing and Sabbathing. This word is the Hebrew word nuach. And go ahead and say it with me, nuach. And you gotta go at the end of it because you sound like a really important Hebrew scholar when you say that that way. Plus, it clears your throat a little bit, so there's a lot of different elements of goodness there. But Noah, it's where Noah gets his name from, by the way. And this idea is the idea of not just resting, but settling down into place. You settle in. I think the best illustration I can give you is my favorite part of the day. When I've done my work at the church, and I love my job, I love what I do, but I also love coming home, eating some dinner, and going into my closet and putting on my comfy pants. Yeah, baby. And I get into my comfy pants and my comfy sweatshirt and I sit on my couch and I am the lord of my home. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so not true. And I can I can shavat. I can settle in because daddy's home and everything is as it should be. But that Shavat is that settling in. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what, it, what Sabbath is. Now, I'm gonna come back in a minute. We're gonna help you apply these things, but uh, I wanna talk about another element here. For this other element, we're gonna go to Deuteronomy chapter five. Deuteronomy chapter five is another example of where God gives the Ten Commandments. And this one's different. It's a lot the same, but it ends differently. And I want you to see this, because what it does in Deuteronomy 5, you're introduced to another motivation for the Sabbath. So the first motivation we saw clearly, you need to rest and make the Sabbath day holy, because God did. God was your example, and so you need to do it. Well, you're gonna see a different reason here in Deuteronomy 5. Let's look at verse number 12, Deuteronomy 5 and verse number 12. <clears throat> Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shavat to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servants or your female servants, your ox, your donkey, or any livestock, or the sojourner who's within your gates. Now watch this reason now. It starts a different reason that your male servant and your female servant may noach, may rest as well as you. Okay, so there's a different reason here. You need to rest because your servants need to rest. Now, I don't know, we don't have servants today, but we do have children, and we make them do all kinds of stuff in our home, like let the dogs out, get the garbage out. That's why we had kids, honestly, and then um, they need to rest as well. Now, look at verse number 15, because check this out. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you from out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep 
the Sabbath day. So do you see the different motivation here? Now, because you've been liberated from slavery, that's why you need Sabbath, because you have been liberated from slavery. Now, go back to Genesis 1, because this is actually seen as well. Once you understand that concept, and you go back and read Genesis 1, again, the Pentateuch is one book. It was all written by uh, Moses, one piece of literary work, I should say. And then, but, but look at this in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. In other words, it was in chaos. And what God does for the rest of the uh, creation narrative is he liberates creation from chaos into order. It is liberation, baby, all throughout that text. And so now in Deuteronomy, he says, you need to celebrate the Sabbath to remember you were liberated from slavery. Well, how is that true of us today? Well, it's true in several senses. One, you were a slave to sin, and you're no longer a slave to sin. Amen. But also, think about this. Sin comes in and fractures creation, and so therefore man is told to do what? To work and, and work the land. And so then we become slaves again to labor. And man, is that true today? We are slaves to productivity because we're under this impression. I've got to get it done. I've got to work hard. I've got to produce. I've got to check off that to-do list, baby. I've got to get it all accomplished. And can I just admit to you, as a staff this morning, especially Adam and I, man, we can really easily fall into this thing about valuing people who can get stuff done. It's one of the things that really drew us together, I've got to say, initially, is that we both value getting your head down and working hard and getting stuff done. We love productivity. We love all of that. Well, that's not, it's okay to love it as long as it doesn't become like you believing that ultimately it's on you. And it's easy to fall into that. If I don't get it done, if I don't get my hands on it, if I don't, if I don't, then what? You know, that's enslaving. And you've been set free from that slavery. And so for the Hebrew people, take a day where that work ceases. It stops. It's Shabbat. Your work is done. And you're going to rest that God has accomplished it for you, and you're no longer a slave to your own productivity, to your own need to get things accomplished. All right. I'm going to give you a quick summary, and then I'm going to highlight this last facet before we jump into some application. So here is this a summary. A Sabbath is a ceasing from labor to reflect on the liberation from slavery to freedom and to settle into God's presence as we wait for the ultimate completeness of the promised land, which of course for us is heaven. Does that make sense? This is what Sabbath means. Now, when you think about the Hebrew history for a moment, because God creates and then he rests, getting a pattern. But sin enters the world and fractures the world. And, 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 and now there is this 
a tension between them working and being liberated. They were slaves in Egypt. God sets them free. They become slaves. And there's this whole tension. They forget to remember the Sabbath day. And so God puts them back into captivity. And this happens over and over and over again. This, this tension between working and laboring and liberation that God has. And God has baked in their culture these reminders. There's a coming rest. There's a coming freedom. There's a coming uh, Sabbath. That's all happening. And then you have Jesus. Take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 4 for a minute. Luke chapter 4. As you turn there, think about the facets of this beautiful diamond, and really, Jesus completes the whole thing, fulfills it all, making the diamond pure and perfect. And let me show you what I mean. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> You'll notice. In uh, verse 14, the heading of that is Jesus begins his ministry. So mark this, Jesus is starting his public ministry now. And check out what it has in verse number uh, 16. Verse number 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. When, church? On the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Check this out now. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, here it is, liberty. Think of the Jewish history. Liberty to the captives, recovering sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The jubilee, the completion of it all. Jesus said, I am the completion of the Sabbath. I have set you free. And greater than the tyranny of the slavery of these nations and your own work is the slavery to, of your own sin. And I have come to set you free from your sin. And Jesus will say later, come to me, all who, watch church, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The law isn't needed for your righteousness. Jesus completes it. The law doesn't forgive your sin. Jesus, in his death and what he has done, gives you the forgiveness of your sin. And the rest of Sabbath is fulfilled completely in Jesus. Think about all these facets we talked about. The idea of completeness or peace wholeness, it is as it should be. Jesus says this in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is something the Lord hit me with right between the eyes as I'm walking through all the things that I'm walking through. Jesus has done it all. You want to talk about being settled. After making payment for our sin and rising again, what did Jesus do? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He knew walked on the throne of God, and now he makes intercessions for the saints. He has settled it all. And you want to talk about liberation. 
First Peter 1.18 says this, knowing that you were ransomed, you were bought from the slave market of sin, is what that word means, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. Church, Jesus completed and fulfilled the Sabbath, and Jesus is your Sabbath rest. So, Last thing then, last element, last step. How do we put Sabbath on for ourselves? First of all, we gotta see the importance of Sabbath. And I think in our culture, we don't. Think about the Ten Commandments. Wouldn't we look at the Ten Commandments and say, all those are important, but maybe not this one about observing the Sabbath day. <laughs> maybe not that one. All the rest of them are still in order, but maybe not that one. Well, we really downplay the importance of Sabbath. So how do we today practice the celebration of Sabbath? I wanna give you several things here. <clears throat> In Jewish culture, they would celebrate it from sundown Friday to sundown on Saturday. That would be their Sabbath rest. And uh, um, they would take one, and what they would do, they would, it did, to this day they still do it. You go to Jerusalem, you'll still see this happening. Like everything shuts down Friday night into Saturday night. And, and what happens is people gather with their families, they have a Sabbath meal together, they sing there's candles, they enjoy a meal together, they uh, rest, they go to synagogue on Saturday morning, they come back, it all culminates in another dinner and a time together. And, and so what does that mean for us? Well, well, you gotta be careful about legalism in the Sabbath. You know, Jesus warned of that himself when he was here on the earth. But what does that mean for us? Well, here, here's some elements. First of all, I think we can celebrate the Sabbath every day. I think there's an every day. Here's the deal. Because our culture is what it is, and because our hearts are what they are, you and I need to remember and drag our hearts back to these concepts of Sabbath. I am not saying that we become Sabbath observant like Jews are. I don't know if that's necessary. Christ has completed that. But I do think we need to walk in the wisdom of Sabbath. And I think we need Sabbath rhythms in our life. And here are those Sabbath rhythms. I think there should be an everyday rhythm. And here's what I mean by that. Can we rest every day in the fact that it is all completed in Jesus? That everything is as it should be? I was in the hospital, my heart's in AFib, I'm praying about this, reflecting on it, embarrassed by it a little bit, and like, why am I here, what's going on? And I'm recognizing, I mean, yeah, obviously it's physical, my heart's flip-flopping. Obviously it's circumstantial, I was stressed about my, my calendar and my schedule, but it's also spiritual. And, and what I was doing, and I told this to Courtney later, I was chasing rest. Okay, the tax bill is coming up, so I'm gonna say no to nothing, take every job I can so that I can get enough money in that tax account. Once there's enough money, then I can rest. Once I've achieved it all, then I can rest. Or I got all these things to do, I'm gonna get through all of these, and once I'm done with them all, then I can rest. And the Lord said to me pretty clearly in my devotions on that next Sunday, he said, Jesus has done it all and nothing else needs to happen for you to rest right now. You can rest right now because Christ has accomplished it all. 
and the phrase that I've been repeating to myself is, I'll do my best, but trust Jesus with the rest. And I say this to myself every day. I'll do my best, and I'll trust Jesus with the rest. I'm gonna do my best to prepare for taxes. And then I'm gonna just trust Jesus with the rest. I'm gonna do my best in parenting. Isn't that stressful sometimes? Like, are my kids gonna be okay? Are they gonna be all right? Well, I'm gonna do my best. And I'm gonna trust Jesus with the rest. Speaking, like I had to speak that weekend, at a, the next weekend at a, at a biblical counseling thing I was doing. And uh, I wish I had another day to prepare for it, honestly. But I took that day and I rested. And, and I just said, I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna trust Jesus with the results of that. And so much in life, every day can be done that way. <clears throat> Patterns, rhythms of Sabbath. Another one I would suggest would be a weekly, a weekly rhythm of Sabbath. Now, this is really tough. And again, don't make it law. Jesus was really careful about making this law. He said, if your ox gets into a ditch on Sabbath day, who's not gonna get that ox out of the ditch? So like, like be wise about this. But having said that, like, how awesome would it be if you took a day with your family and you gathered them together for a meal and you talked about the goodness of God and you sing worship songs together and you just rested as a family together for a whole day? Yeah, but you don't get it. My kids are really busy. They have like 15 baseball teams they're in. Here's what I'm gonna say to you. I, I get that that baseball team is gonna teach your kid teamwork and give him some skills for life, I understand that. But maybe the 15th baseball team can go away and you can take some time, and I think there's a lot of value in just sitting with your kids and talking about Jesus together and reading the word together and worshiping together. I think your kid may end up benefiting from that more and remembering that more than the 15th baseball team. I'm gonna get lunched afterwards, but it's okay. I'm okay with that, I'm fine. Um, uh, but just, I mean, it's hard, and our culture isn't designed for this, so you're really gonna have to figure this out, because it's tough, but finding a weekly time just to, and, and not just to rest, but you're also reflecting on it, everything is as it should be. And Jesus has got me, and I'm okay. And I'm gonna settle into his presence and look forward to the time of completeness when he will come and, and take us to himself. I mean, you're thinking about and talking about that on this day of rest. And then I think this is important. Now, this is really from the mouth of Jamie and not necessarily from the mouth of the Lord, but something that I had been in the habit of for a long time and got away from. It was just taking what I call deep dive with God or getaway. It's just, just time to get away from it all and to just be with Jesus for an extended period of time. So this is taking like a full day or, or if I couldn't afford it, a half a day and literally me going off sometimes in the woods, sometimes to a remote coffee shop someplace, but it's just spending time with the Lord, just me and him, getting away with him. And those times can be really refreshing to my soul when I do them, and I've gotten out of that habit. Now, I did some calculation, and I said, well, if I took one day every seven days, Sabbath, and I took one like, like full day every seven weeks, guess how many times you would do that in a year? Seven, point four two, but seven, it's really close to seven. And uh, again, I'm not saying, oh, it's obviously God's word for you then, but I am saying it in the practice of just getting away with the Lord. Here's the whole point of it all. If you've heard nothing else, it's this. Jesus has got you. And with Jesus, everything is as it should be. But you need reminded of that. And the wisdom of Sabbath is putting patterns in your life 
to remember that and to settle into God's presence. So Father, we think, ask you that you would help us with this. We're, we're not set up for this culturally and probably familially in our family. We're not really set up for this. But maybe, Lord, would you lead us into better Sabbath rest so that daily we're resting in you and weekly we're resting in you and finding times to get with you and resting in you because you believe it's very important. It's a beautiful meeting. So we'll give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Redemption. You are loved.